You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Before we get started today, college football right around the corner. The Locked On Network has you covered. We've got the Locked On Pac-12 podcast, Locked On SEC podcast, Locked On Big Ten, Locked On Big 12, and the Locked On ACC podcasts all waiting for you. There's no better place to get your conference news than following our Locked On Conference podcasts on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Thursday, July 15th. Today on the show, it's part two of our What If series. And today we are going to explore what would have happened if Zach Norvell came back to school for his junior season. And we are looking for two more good what ifs to explore next week. I'm looking for something a little bit different than, you know, something that just happened in a game. So like the what if Nigel Williams-Goss didn't roll his ankle or what if Zach Collins wasn't in foul trouble. Something that can be parsed out over multiple seasons that affects multiple players. Kind of like this Josh Perkins thing from Tuesday and then the Zach Norville situation that we're going to talk about today. If you've got any ideas, feel free to send them my way. You can tweet at me. You can email the show. Whatever you want to do. Tomorrow on the program, we have a very, very cool interview lined up for Five Star Friday that I will talk about at the end of today's episode. And then next Monday and next Wednesday, we'll break down the final two what ifs. Also, today on the show, we're going to break down some summer bracketology. Joe Lenardi just put out his latest bracket, so we'll talk about where the WCC lands, along with all of Gonzaga's big non-conference opponents. But before we get to all of that, there is a considerable amount of news and notes from the past 24 hours, so strap in. Here we go. And let's start with John Hollinger, one of the more respected kind of NBA analysts and scouts out there. He put out his top 70 players for the 2021 NBA draft for The Athletic on Wednesday morning. So I want to go through the where he's got the four Gonzaga players. He's got Jalen Suggs number six. He says Jalen Suggs reminds him of Jason Kidd, uh, but he is a little bit more down on his upside as an elite offensive player because of the lack of uh, consistent shooting right now. But he does say Suggs is an obvious pick to have long-term starter potential because of his very high floor. Corey Kispert, he's got a number 12 overall, and he's basically, you know, said what everybody else has said. He's the easiest plug-and-play, best shooter in the draft. He can play right away. Uh, but he also said that he does have more upside as a score than just being a three-point shooter, and he displayed that kind of stuff at Gonzaga. So he's got Corey Kispert in at number 12, then he's got Philip Petrushev in at number 47. He talked about Petrushev expanding his game overseas, how he shoots a lot more threes now. And he also talks about how he has stash ability in his favor, which means a team could pick him and decide to leave him over in Serbia for a couple more years to work on his body, to, uh, to work on his defense, and then bring him into an NBA situation in two more seasons. So Philip Petrushev, number 47 for John Hollinger. And then Joel Yai's got ranked number 55, and he's not quite sure how scouts are going to evaluate him because he played so much time off the ball. But the one thing that he's very, very certain Joel Yai can do is rebound the basketball, especially uh, as a guard. 
So he talked about that a little bit. He talked about how he's not really sure what he is as an offensive player with the ball because he played so much without it. Um, so we're going to see. I, I do think Joel Yai is the most interesting person in this draft because I think uh, he can go really anywhere from 25 to 50, um, and I wouldn't be shocked either way. So he's got him at number 55 overall in his uh, top 70 NBA draft rankings. The WNBA All-Star Game was last night, and Courtney Vandersloot, Gonzaga great, uh, played for the WNBA All-Star team as they took on the United States team that is going to go to Japan and play in the Olympics. So it was Team USA against Team WNBA, and Team WNBA beat him. Courtney Vandersloot played and started for Team WNBA, had uh, 17 minutes, and led the team with seven assists. Seven assists in just 17 minutes. That is pretty much what Courtney Vandersloot does. Team WNBA won 93-85, and they were led by Arike Agumboale, former Notre Dame standout, who had 26 points on 10 of 18 shooting. Courtney Vandersloot's wife, Allie Quigley, won the three-point competition at halftime. So a good day all around for uh, Courtney Vandersloot and Allie Quigley. Switching gears to baseball, Gonzaga's ace, Alec Jacob. He got selected on Tuesday in the 16th round of the MLB draft by the San Diego Padres. Alec Jacob... WCC uh, Pitcher of the Year threw a complete game shutout against LSU in the regional round of the NCAA tournament. He threw a no-hitter against Pepperdine. He is going to, I think he's going to move fairly quickly through the Padres system because he can be a reliever or a starter, whichever one that they want him to be. He was both a closer and a starter for Gonzaga. He can do whichever one that the the Padres need him to do. And I think his off-speed stuff is good enough to get him into the major leagues uh, here in the next few seasons. So shout out to Alec Jacob, a fantastic Gonzaga career. And so Alec Jacob, Ernie Yake, and Brett Harris will all start their minor league careers probably here in the next couple of weeks. So we'll keep you posted on where they get reassigned to. Gonzaga women's basketball has been busy this week. They've offered a couple scholarships over the last couple of days. And all both of them have been to top 50 recruits in the 2023 class. And let's start with Savia Sellers, who's a 5'7 point guard, ranked number 39 overall in the class of 2023. And she's from Alaska, and she looks like an absolute sharpshooter from the videos that I saw. 39th overall in the class. And then late on Wednesday night, it was announced that Jalen Bristow also offered a scholarship by Gonzaga. She is a 6'2 forward in the class uh, from Texas, and she is ranked number 50 overall in the class. So number 50 and number 39 offered by Gonzaga in the class of 2023. And then if you guys remember, in the class of 2022, they're also going after number 13th ranked Grace Van Sluten. So Gonzaga women's basketball really trying to up their recruiting game uh, as they continue to move that program forward after a couple historic regular seasons. And then on the men's side, a couple former Gonzaga greats have signed international contract. Nigel Williams-Goss, who's played the last couple of seasons in the EuroLeague. He played last year in uh, Russia. He is signed with uh, Real Madrid, who is the best team in the best league in Spain. Uh, He signed a two-year contract with them. And then another team in that league, Lenovo, has signed Kyle Wilcher. So Kyle Wilcher and Nigel Williams-Goss will be in the same league. Uh, Kyle Wilcher has played his last two years, I believe, in Turkey. So shout out to Kyle Wilcher and Nigel Williams-Goss for signing contracts overseas. And the last thing here is that Admon Gilder is in action tomorrow at 1 o'clock in the basketball tournament. He's playing for the Omaha Blue Crew 64-team winner-take-all tournament starting tomorrow. Uh, They will play at 1 
Pacific time, 1 p.m. Pacific time. The game is going to be on ESPN3. You can watch that, and then Josh Perkins will play the following week uh, for the Jimmy V team. But if you want to watch Admon Gilder, he's playing tomorrow, Friday, at 1 o'clock Pacific time. All right, I think that's it for the news and notes. Coming up, we're going to talk about bracketology. There's nothing more useless than a bracketology in July, but it's the middle of the offseason and we all need content to talk about. So let's break down where Joe Lunardi thinks the WCC stands as we approach the month of August. Before we get to bracketology, Bet Online is sponsoring today's episode, and it is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, the second half, gets underway today. The NBA is in the NBA Finals, Game 5 coming up this weekend in a 2-2 series. And the NFL is right around the corner, and they just released a bunch of prop bets. So if you want to bet on who you think is going to be the passing yards leader, receiving yards leader, rushing yards leader, head over to Bet Online right now, and you can do so. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, and you can use it to bet on one of those props. Go to Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and use promo code Locked On. Sometimes the only thing more useless than a July bracketology is the April bracketology that gets released right after the season. But it's the middle of July, and we don't have a whole lot to talk about uh, right now. So, of course, we're going to break this down as much as we can. Joe Lenardi released a new bracket on Wednesday morning, and he has got Gonzaga as the top overall seed, the number one seed in the West. The West Regional is being played in San Francisco this year. The most notable thing here is that he's got three WCC schools in the NCAA tournament. He's got BYU as one of his last four in as a 12 seed in a playing game against Seton Hall. And the winner of that would play fifth seeded North Carolina in the same region as Kansas as the number one seed in the Midwest. Also in the Midwest, he's got St. Mary's up, up to the number 10 seed. Earlier in his last installment of Bracketology, he had St. Mary's as one of the last four in. So at some point he thought, St. Mary's got better and good enough to be a number 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. So three-bid WCC, which I do think is possible this year. You can kind of debate which three schools you think are going to get those three bids. But I do think Gonzaga and BYU are um, near locks, I would say, to, to get in the tournament. And that third seed, I think, is up for grabs with St. Mary's and LMU uh, amongst the, some other teams that could be fighting with them. And then in terms of Gonzaga's non-conference opponents... He's got Texas as a number two seed in the South, and Gonzaga and Texas will play the first major game of the year on November 13th in Spokane. He's got Duke as a three seed in the South as well, so it could be a number two versus number three Texas versus Duke showdown in the Sweet 16 if that were to happen. He's got UCLA as the number one seed in the East, and that would be interesting uh, towards the end of the season if Gonzaga and UCLA were both fighting for that number one seed. One of them may end up getting shipped out to the east, and in this case, it's UCLA as opposed to UCLA staying in the west as their two seed. So that is something to watch as this season goes is the battle for the number one seed of west between Gonzaga and UCLA if those two teams are as good as everybody hopes they are. And then a couple others, he's got Alabama as a four seed, and then he's got Texas Tech as a six seed. So there you go, some random bracketology here on a Thursday in the middle of July. Like I said, the biggest thing we may end up watching all season long is that battle for the number one seed out west between Gonzaga and UCLA. One of those teams could end up getting shipped off to the east, the south, the midwest, wherever, um, as opposed to being the number two seed in the west. So if Gonzaga and UCLA do face each other in the non-conference, obviously that game and that head-to-head win would mean a lot more for one of those teams depending on who wins that matchup. 
Okay, coming up to finish today's show, we are talking a really interesting hypothetical that still could have an impact on today's roster, and I'll explain how. What if Zach Norvell came back for his junior season? We'll break that entire thing down coming up in just a minute. But first, today's episode being sponsored by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, RockAuto.com. And of course, today's episode also being sponsored by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. If you're not sure which flavor you want, feel free to try a mixed box with multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. And not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, so Zach Norvell Jr. comes in from Chicago, 6'5 guard, and he redshirts his first year on campus because of some minor knee injuries. Then he comes in and basically starts every game as a redshirt freshman in that 17-18 season, has just some enormous shots in the NCAA tournament against Greensboro and again against Ohio State in the second round. And then he is one of the best players uh, on a team full of great players in the 18-19 season and the team that went to the Elite Eight. Probably should have won a national championship, uh, but they had a couple bad minutes against Texas Tech. Average 15 points, four and a half rebounds, three assists, about a steal and a half. And he decides to leave Gonzaga and go into the NBA draft in a move that um, kind of surprised most people. Not many people thought that he would be drafted, and it turns out that he was not drafted. Um, he played in the G League a little bit. He ended up having a cup of coffee with the Warriors and the Lakers last season in the 1920 um, shortened year because of the pandemic. And it really didn't turn out as great as Zach Norvell had hoped. So today's hypothetical is what if Zach Norvell came back to college for his junior season? How does that work out for Gonzaga? How does that work out for Zach Norvell? And how would it still be impacting today's roster? So let's talk about that 2020 team. Zach Norvell would have been the star of that group. And uh, I don't think that they would have gone after Admon Gilder or Ryan Woolridge, one of the two. I think they probably still would have gone after Woolridge because they needed a point guard more than anything else after Josh Perkins left. I don't think they would have gone after Admon Gilder necessarily because they wouldn't have needed an off guard because Zach Norvell would have been the star of that team. And because he would have been the star of that team, that would have affected three different players on that roster. Number one is Philip Petrushev. He would not have been as heavily featured as he was. He would not have been as relied on as he was. So how would that affect 
Philip Petrushev's decision to leave after his sophomore year and go to uh, Serbia and play overseas? Would Philip Petrushev have come back for his junior season? Maybe. And then the other two guys are Corey Kispert. Corey Kispert would not have been forced into a bigger role um, that he was as a junior, and that may have affected um, maybe a little bit of leadership quality and how would he have transitioned into that 2021 year where he took off and is now a lottery pick. If Zach Norvell came back, would Corey Kispert's development have been a little bit more stunted um, because he wouldn't have been forced into a, a massive role that he was in that 2020 team? Maybe. But undoubtedly, the one that would have been impacted the most by Zach Norvell returning is Joel Ayayi. Because Joel Ayayi would not have gotten the near 30 minutes a game that he got and was forced basically because of all of the uh, departures to play that role. But Joel Ayayi would have been a backup on that 2020 team if Zach Norvell had stayed in school. And if they would have got Admon Gilder still then basically Joel Ayayi is playing behind Zach Norvell, behind Admon Gilder, and who knows? Joel Ayayi may have never you know, become the player or even close to the player um, that he is today if Zach Norvell had stayed. So that's the really interesting one to me is if Zach Norvell stays, Joel Ayayi is nowhere close to being you know, a borderline first, early second round NBA draft pick. Zach Norvell would have been the leader of that 2020 team. He would have had the most points per game, I would imagine, on that roster. And I would imagine he probably would have gotten drafted last year if he had stayed one more season. Um, so that I think as on a personal level for him, the decision to stay probably would have meant a draft pick and a little bit more money. Um, but then in terms of Gonzaga, if you move forward to 2021, this past season, again, where is Joel Yai in his development? Is Corey Kispert, would he have been ready to be the leader that he was this year? Does he get drafted in the lottery um, if Zach Norvell came back and was kind of the focal point of that 2020 team? I doubt it. Joel Yai certainly is not, um, you know, a, a draft pick this year because he would not have been you know, the player that he was if Zach Norvell came back. So if you move forward again to 2022, maybe Joel Yai is back for his fifth year. Maybe his 2021 season was his 2020 season. His entire development kind of got pushed uh, backwards a year, uh, more or less. So as a fifth year senior, uh, Joel Yai would have done what he did in 2022, what he did in 2021, if that makes sense. And then if Joel Yai is still on the roster in this, this coming year, 2022, would Gonzaga have gone after Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman? Or would Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman even um, consider Gonzaga if Joel Yai was still on the roster and they knew he would still be on the roster and taking away minutes from them? Don't know. But it's definitely interesting to think about. I think for Zach Norvell's um, personal purposes, it would have been a better decision to come back to Gonzaga because I wasn't... I don't know how many people actually thought he would get drafted uh, when he left after 2019. I understand why he did it. He wanted to go professional. That's fine. You can never fault anybody for doing that. Uh, but it certainly seemed like the the heavy majority of people were saying, you know, stay one more year, uh, have a huge, you know, be the focal point, score, you know, close to 20 points a game, and then get drafted the next year was probably the smarter play. But again, I'm never faulting anybody for going and trying to get money uh, if they can going professionally. And then by far, for Gonzaga, the most impacted player is Joel Ayayi, right? I mean, it's possible that Ayayi never breaks out ever in a Gonzaga uniform if Norvell comes back because he was forced into that role that he played in the 1920 season uh, with all the, the departures that they had 
Mark Few, who said really early on in Ayayi's career that he wasn't sure that Ayayi would ever play meaningful minutes for Gonzaga, he didn't really have a choice but to play Joel Ayayi in that uh, that nineteen twenty season because everybody left. And really only Ayayi remained on the roster. And so he had to play him, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game. And obviously, Ayayi made him look smart and uh, continued to play really, really well over the next two seasons. But if he never gets that chance, I have no idea where Joel Ayayi's career would have gone. So there is that what if. Probably better for Zach Norvell if he stayed. For Gonzaga's purposes, uh, I think it's probably better that he left as term in terms of a long-term program gain because Corey Kispert became a better leader. Joel Yai had that breakout season. Phil Petrushev had that breakout season. Uh, you know, more players had to step up into bigger roles quickly uh, after Zach Norvell left. So really interesting hypothetical, uh, hypothetical to break down there. And that, my friends, is going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow is another five-star Friday, and I mentioned before uh, we started today that we have a very, very cool interview tomorrow, and it's with Matt Villarreal. And if you guys follow uh, Gonzaga social media, you've probably seen Matt a little bit hanging around Gonzaga Twitter. Matt is the creative director for recruiting for the men's and women's basketball teams. What that means, he's basically the guy in charge of all of the hype videos and all of the promos, all of the graphic designs, all of the stuff that you see on Gonzaga's social media channels, Matt is pretty much having a part of. So he's an extremely talented guy. We talked to him tomorrow. I actually already taped the interview. And we talked about his time in the bubble at the NCAA tournament, uh, his career path getting to Gonzaga, and then a really, really cool story that he told about what was going through his mind at the end of regulation against UCLA. And then again, what was going in through his mind uh, right before the Jalen Sugg shot because he was on the baseline and got a really cool look of that thing. So some really cool stories from him. I think it's a really cool interview, and I hope you guys, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. So come back tomorrow, Five Star Friday, for an interview with Matt Villarreal. Don't forget, you can tune into the Locked on Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today on the show, Giannis Antetokounmpo blocks the Phoenix Suns from going up three games to one. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget you can rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please give us a five-star rating if you will. You can follow me on Twitter at SCargo. It's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. If you want to email the show, with any Gonzaga stories that you have, or if you got a what if that you want me to talk about, feel free to do so. The email is lockedonzags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Thursday. We'll see you back here for Five Star Friday on Friday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.